0: Hello and welcome to Deja View, the Ithacan's weekly review podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Jake Leary, and I'm here today with Matt Radolsky to talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Thank you for sitting down with me today. I'm really excited to to get into this one.
1: You're welcome.
0: So am I. For the listeners that aren't familiar with Zelda and maybe not familiar with Nintendo, could you give us a little bit of context as to where Nintendo is now,
1: and where Zelda has been. Gladly. So, Nintendo's been in a bit of a state of flux for the past decade, in the sense that there was the Nintendo Wii, which was a big smash hit of a system, one of the best-selling consoles of all time, next to the PlayStation 2, and they followed that up rather horrendously with the Nintendo Wii U, which did not sell well. Now, a couple of weeks ago, they released their newest console, the Nintendo Switch, and hand-in-hand with the launch of that system, is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The Legend of Zelda is Nintendo's second biggest franchise next to Super Mario. Maybe their biggest franchise. I'm sure there's a nice little debate decorum that could happen with that. Um, And Breath of the Wild is also the launch release for the Nintendo Switch and the big swan song for the Nintendo Wii U. I played it on the Nintendo Wii U because I did not want to spend $360 to play Breath of the Wild. However, it might be worth it. Before we get into the things that you're
0: actually doing, can you tell us more about Hyrule, which is the setting for Legend of Zelda, its current
1: state in Breath of the Wild? So a little a little bit of the plot, a little bit of the plot background. Link, the protagonist, he's now wearing blue instead of green in this game. He, bold, bold creative decision, <laughs> if ever there was one, is he wakes up after 100 years of slumber in this chamber, and he has no memories, and he climbs out of the chamber, And then, then the world is yours, pretty much. The world is in a bit of a state of disrepair. The big, giant castles of Ocarina of Time are now in ruins. And you walk around, and maybe you see an old man. And you talk to the old man, and he tells you to go to some shrines. After a couple of hours of going to these shrines, the world explodes open into about eight different parts, this massive map. I've played this game for maybe 100 hours at this point. I still haven't explored everything there is to see. It's that big. Um, the different sections, you know, there's your there's your Death Mountain, which is a lot of fire there. Zora's domain, a lot of water there, and it feels like two different places. One feels hot, one feels cold. Uh, so that that kind of thing. That's what Hyrule's like. It's all very changing. It feels very. It feels like it's in motion.
0: So so many open world games we come across today trade activity for size. And Zelda seems very big. Does it
1: fill that world? Does it justify that space? That is a great question. I would say for the most part it does because there's always some NPCs that are around. There's always enemies that are are getting created. One great thing in the game is it's on basically a random timer but the clock is always running. Every night the moon will rise. And some nights it's just a full moon, some nights it's a quarter moon. But every once in a while, it's a blood-red moon that rises over Hyrule. And when that happens, it revives every single enemy that you've killed in that period of time. Basically resetting the world completely. Um, So all those areas that you have been exploring, the enemies are back. Go destroy them again and get the weapons that have since broken. You can now re-retrieve them. That means that the world constantly feels like there's stuff going on. In terms of also making it feel great, there's certain timed events. You can see a green light in the distance that's only green for maybe an hour. You have to get there in that hour and then you can get all kinds of money and loot and fight the enemies and etc. Uh, but I would say it fills the space very well. It's very seldom that I'm in a place in that game where there's nothing going on. And if there's nothing going on, there's usually a reason for it. Like if I'm in the tundra on the top of a mountain, why would there be enemies there? And yet, even still, enemies will pop up and there's always more to do.
0: That's going to do it for our first segment today. We're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back to talk a little bit more about the current state of Nintendo.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
0: All right, we're back. We were just talking about the uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and now we're going to step back and talk about Nintendo and we were talking a little bit about Nintendo at the beginning of the last segment just to give some context for the significance of Breath of uh, Breath of the Wild but I want to go back and I want to know your Nintendo history because that's such a personal my, thing my for Nintendo people Nintendo history,
1: that's a very and that's question. like so um, for as long as I've been in existence there's been a Nintendo console in my house so when I was a baby, there was a Super Nintendo. I don't remember that, not for obvious reasons. When I was a bit older, I remember getting the Nintendo GameCube for Christmas, uh, and that would have been Christmas two thousand one. I want to say maybe Christmas two thousand two, and we got Super Smash Brothers Melee, Wave Race, and All Star Baseball two thousand two. I still remember the games. Uh, I only played Smash Brothers. I didn't touch the other two. Mm-hmm. Later on, I get uh, Game Boy Advance, then the Nintendo DS, then the Wii. Um, we couldn't get a Wii for Christmas, it was too sold out, so I got it for Easter a couple months later. After that, I got the Nintendo 3DS. I was an original buyer of the Nintendo 3DS before the price dropped, so that's oh, how I was able. you were in the,
0: uh, yeah. the special program that they yeah, had the, to uh, compensate. The
1: Ambassador program, where they gave me $80 worth of free video games, which was, that's how I played like Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, was through that program, and Zelda and Zelda 2, actually. Uh, After that, I got the Wii U. So I've been a pretty consistent and loyal player of Nintendo, Nintendo games for, well, my whole life, just about. I do not have a Switch yet. I'm sure we'll be getting into that.
0: Yes, we definitely will, because I want to talk about, I want to focus most on the Wii, to the Wii U, Mm -hmm. and now to the Switch because as you were saying in the last segment, the Wii was a monster. That thing came out and everybody had one. I think it breached, it was one of the few consoles to breach 100 million uh, in sales, which is an incredible number. And then the Wii U followed that. And it's- And it it didn't follow that. (laughs) precisely. And you're one of the few people who has one, and that actually, you're a rare breed in a way for (laughs) that, because there are 13 million of those things out there. And that's it. Just 13 million? Just 13 million. Oh, geez. And for context, that's less than the GameCube, which was in the 20 million range. Um, wow. And that was considered a failure at the time. Um, so
1: I want to talk a little bit about why did I buy a Nintendo Wii U? Yeah. Oh, boy. When did it happen? Why did it happen? Why did it happen? I've been asking myself every day. No. Um, oh, boy. I wanted to get the new Smash Brothers when that came out but I already had the Wii U at that point. I got the Wii U very early, not at launch, and I don't really know why I did that. It was, mistakes were made. I know that attending Ithaca College, it's been great because to have a Wii U, you do not need a television set, which has been great for me. I can just play it on the Wii U. Uh, That's been good and I'm happy with it because there are some good games. There are some good games. That's
0: the really complicated part about the Wii U. Nobody has one. Yes. Very few people like it, Mm -hmm. but it's generally an undisputed fact that the games are great. And that is Nintendo's magic, Mm. and in my opinion, the only thing keeping them going is that they have these games that are touchstones for people when they're children, but Mm -hmm. grow up with them when they become adults. So... The Legend of Zelda seems that's to be a part prime of reason, example of that. That's
1: part of the reason my Breath of the Wild has been so satisfying for me is because it feels like, you know, I played through Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, these open-world Zelda games, and I finally get to Breath of the Wild and it's almost like a a reward at the end of this, like, here you go, you can play. I have no idea how they're following this up because this is exactly like what I didn't even know I wanted. Uh, so to speak to that, the Wii U has like Mario Kart 8, which is, in my opinion, the best Mario Kart game. It has Super Mario Maker, which is one of the best Mario platformers out there, and it has Breath of the Wild on it. Those three games alone make the system, I wouldn't say worth buying because it's dead now. It's in the water. But they've made it worth it for, for me. They made it worth it for me. <laughs> so with all of that going for it, what went wrong with the Wii U? That's a good question. Right off the bat, the name is dumb. I'm just <laughs> It's just, that's, this is what it is. A lot of people didn't even know that it was a new system. Some people thought that it was like an expansion of the Nintendo Wii, because the title Nintendo Wii U, you might think like, oh, it's just like a new controller or something. No, it's a brand new $250 console. Uh, Another thing is the controller is clunky. It's like this iPad with a Nintendo 64 controller cut in half and stapled on the edges.
0: It looks like one of those leapfrog toys you have when you're a little kid. Yeah. Um, and it's. It's nice to see the Nintendo Switch, which is their mm. latest thing, and it plays off the, the gamepad, that leapfrog-looking monstrosity. Yes. It is the iPad to the leapfrog,
1: I guess I would say. Yes, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, another thing with the Wii U, and they had this problem with the 3DS when it launched, there were no titles available at launch. The only thing was new Super Mario Bros. Uh, platforming game, but and everybody owns a Mario platformer. If you have a Nintendo system, you already have one. So they had nothing at launch, and they never really got that, like, you need to play this, and you can only play it on this. The closest to that was Mario Kart 8, which sold pretty well. But the 3DS, for instance, has, like, Pokemon Sun and Moon that people are buying, in millions and millions and millions all over the globe. Uh, Wii, you never had that.
0: No. And I think it also came off the high of the Wii, Mm. which was a false high in a lot of ways, where when the Wii first came out, and you reference this too, it was really hard to come by oh, yeah. because people were grabbing them up, and then they'd take them home, and they'd show their families, and there was this motion control gimmick. You had your Wii mote and your nunchuck, and you were mm. flailing around playing Wii Sports, mm. and everybody's grandma wanted that too. Yeah. So people started buying it in these crazy numbers, but then they didn't play it, and they didn't buy games for it, and they didn't actually support it. So there were high high console sales but low game sales and that's how things crash and burn. So mm. then the Wii U comes on the scene, nobody knows what it is. Nobody plays their Wii anymore besides the the people who are really mm. committed to gaming um and it fades off into the sunset. People have their 3DSs and their their content and that's that.
1: Yeah, I know with the, with the Wii U and the 3DS, I remember finding out that the 3DS, the handheld sale, that is what's buoying the Nintendo Wii U sale for a while. Was Okay, the, the console is failing, but the handheld sales for a period of time with the 3DS were really, really great. That's like the opposite of what Sony had, with like the PS3 and the PS4 sold really well, so the PS Vita can afford to fail. Because yes, we have these high console sets. it does. Oh, yes. Much, <laughs>
0: much to my dismay as a, as a Sony person. Mm. Um, but that's also an interesting dynamic to look at because now Nintendo has put out the Switch, which exists in this weird middle space oh, between yeah. console and
1: mobile device or handheld mm. device.
0: So, what's going to happen to the 3DS?
1: it's looking like the 3ds is going to become a bit more of a niche product now now that the switch is on the scene now that the switch can do everything the 3ds can um only it's more expensive i suppose it can have better games though more powerful games and the battery life is comparable so it really does leave the 3ds in a in a tough spot um but that's what nintendo's solution has been to the mobile gaming thing has been we'll make a mobile console as it were that's what i see the switch as it's a truly mobile console that the Wii wanted to be, but couldn't. But couldn't. Couldn't quite get its. No, get its arms it right. it
0: always felt like a toy and not like oh, yeah. technology. Super Mario Maker, good, good game. No, again, good game. I'm not disputing <laughs> the games. Just everything else. Oh yeah. They've also made another move into the mobile market. That seems to be Nintendo's mo yeah. right now, and I want to talk a little bit about that because mm-hmm. I think this is very strange. Um, Pokemon Go, which was a flash in the pan before it It fizzled out the
1: Wii was a fad as well and Pokemon Go also was a full-on there was like two weeks there where it was like oh my gosh and then after a month went by it was okay it was
0: it was nothing and since they've put out other games they put out Mario Run which has baffled pretty much everybody in its Mm -hmm. price structure
1: well super mario runs a real interesting thing like you say for the price structure is i want to say it cost like seven dollars or something like that i think it was more i think it was
0: the first three levels are free and i think the to purchase the rest of it it's ten dollars which for an iphone game is crazy because the market doesn't support that now yes the market now is very focused on free to play Mm -hmm. or low cost and that's what mobile players expect so to have this Hugely was, expensive yeah, proportionally.
1: It, it was an experiment, is how I see it. It was, we're going to make a good game. And by most critics, were saying Super Mario Run was a, a pretty good game, you know, a pretty good Mario platformer. And it was an experiment to see if we charge full price for this, will people buy it? The answer is not really. They yeah. also bungled the Android launch. Like it just launched on Android like last week, and it's been out for months on the iPhone market. And I know a lot of people were upset about that. So that doesn't help you either. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes also came out very recently. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to the sales of that. I'm sure in Japan they're very good because they love Fire Emblem in Japan. I love Fire Emblem as well. However, I didn't play Fire Emblem Heroes at all because I have Fire Emblem Fates for my 3DS and I'll gladly play that instead.
0: Nintendo seems to be great at misunderstanding things and they're hel- they've held on by the grace of their past and I think that they're starting to feel the burn a little bit. They've seen mm. the Wii U crumble. The reaction to the Switch, not when it was first revealed, but when they first had that conference for it, was damning because they had this hubris and this lack of foresight that really seems to, uh, to hamper them in some ways. Mm. You know, And I think for the future of Nintendo, that's a really dangerous thing. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I remember E three two thousand and eight maybe two thousand nine where they revealed Wii Music was their big their big E three reveal that year. Uh, that was when they were drunk on power from the Nintendo Wii, and it was everyone was saying, "What is this? Where is anything? What Nintendo has in their pocket are these franchises that have built up so much goodwill because the games are consistently good." properties like Mario, or Zelda, or Metroid, or Kirby, or anything else, like that's in Super Smash Brothers, Fire Emblem is another one, that they can rely on that software more than they can rely on the hardware. Sony needs to rely on their hardware, because they don't really make games. Microsoft is the same way. But Nintendo has been struggling to get the hardware, to get the system that can facilitate these games. I don't know if the Switch is going to be that, but it's definitely a much better step in that direction of keeping a hardware market than the Wii U was, which was an abject failure.
0: All right. That's going to be our show for this week. Thank you for sitting down with me, Matt. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: You can contact me at Matthew Rodelski on Twitter. Don't follow me, though. Contact me (laughs) at Puppybox on Twitter. Don't follow me. Duly noted. I don't want to be followed. Setting up
0: a real good thing for yourself here. (laughs) If you want to reach out to the show, you can send an email to Ithacanlifeandculture at gmail.com. And for Deja Vu, I'm Jake Leary. Thank you for listening.